Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast Thursday edition. It's Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam back again. I apologize to all of you. This is the second time you're getting me this week. Our own Matt Connor was out on Tuesday, so I joined Sterling Holmes. Verderam, how you doing, man? It's uh, it's officially summer. Good. It's hot as hell. After this, going to coach the old soccer team. It's going to be a crisp 89. Beautiful. Better than if it was tomorrow, 93. So... You know, for those out there thinking like, ah, stop whining. It could be worse. It's winter. Yeah, but, you know, when you're outside in winter, you can warm up. When you're outside in summer, you're kind of screwed. That being said, I will take the sunshine. So I'm I'm doing I'm doing good, even if I am at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same, man. Like, I'm not like I I don't like the heat. In the wintertime, you can always warm up. If you're cold in your house, you can get blankets. You can put on a hoodie, wool socks, like whatever you need to do. If your air conditioner breaks and it's uh, like I got, I, I'm having some roof work done here in a couple weeks and I've got like my my two two air conditioning units are on the roof. They're going to have to take them down so they can do the roof work. Man, sure. I'm going to grease that guy's palms. I'm going to be like, work fast, work <laughs> fast. Get this done in a day because it's it is not good. I'm going to be sleeping in the basement or something. I remember growing up as a kid, and my parents' house still doesn't and did not have you know, central air or air conditioning. And I'll tell you, yeah, every once in a while, you got one of those days where it was like 90 at night and humid. And I remember my father just gave me like a kitchen chair and a box fan, but good luck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now at yeah. least, you know, when I, when I do visit in the summers, I'll have the, uh, the AC units in for the bedrooms, which is nice. Yeah. But man. It's it it gets toasty now. Now I'm so spoiled that we got the central. I, I see people chatting in, from Florida right now. Like it's 101. It's yeah, 108. Right. Bro, move. Like yeah, yeah. Move now. I I can't even imagine. I, it's we like people say about Arizona. It's 120 degrees in Phoenix. Like yeah, but it's a dry heat. So is my oven. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you. There's no way. There's no way. No. 120 degrees is 120 degrees. Damn um, right, that's it. Yeah, uh, Tone says it's it's uh, in the chat. Bora Bora, it's 70 degrees all year round. Boy, that would be nice. I could yeah, get okay. that. That's get, the dream right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company at Casey Beer Co. on Twitter. Give them a shout. A uh, lot to get to today. Nothing crazy. As, uh, the schedule came out for, for training camp, actually. Yep. It's official now. So, uh, the rookies are reporting on the 22nd of July, and the veterans on the 26th. So we're we're about a month away from from the action here. Are you looking forward to that, Verderam? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, you know what? When you get into training camp, it 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 starts to feel like okay, it's a new season. I mean, it always starts to feel like that a little bit with the draft and free agency and the schedule for sure. But you start actually seeing the new team on the field together and not just in like some walkthrough thing where they're in like basically t-shirts and shorts, like actual getting out there, cracking pads a little bit, especially in Kansas city where the, where the practices and the training camps are more physical than a lot of other cities. So yeah, training camps always fun. Sure. Not for the play, like the players, especially veterans, man, you got to be thinking like, for the love of God, just get me the, get me the regular season. Right. Yeah. But you know, I am looking forward to it. Uh, it. It's only a month away, which feels like a long time in your head, but then you blink and it's there and, and it's another season. And that's always exciting. Yeah, man. I, you know, everybody always complains about the preseason games and, you know, I, every year though, man, when the hall of fame g- game comes on, I crack open a couple of beers. I get so excited. I don't care. I don't care if these guys aren't going to be making the teams. It's NFL football. There's nothing like it, even the preseason. Uh, and just when you get in there and like, you hear the, 
you know, you start hearing the the, the theme music on Fox right. and all these places. Like, I just get so jacked up. I can't wait for fall. Um, <laughs> listen, everybody, this is um, uh, the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam. I wanted to get into a couple topics today. We're going to talk a lot about the offensive line. There was a list that came out. It's pretty interesting. She had some players on there. We're going to hit our breakout candidates for this season. And then we're going to rank the Chiefs rivals, the ones we hate the most in order. So that should be fun at the end. But first, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, this came actually from an article on arrowheadaddict.com uh, run by our own Matt Connor. And this was an article by uh, Jacob Milhan, who, who writes over there, does great work. I thought this was a really interesting, especially like midsummer topic to debate. Who should the Chiefs add to the Hall of Honor? So for, for those who might not know or maybe if you haven't been out to the stadium they renovated that when they when they when they renovated arrowhead and then they renovated it again um and kind of made it even even nicer it was kind of in a concourse it was cool but now it's if you've been able to see it it's it's spectacular but the you know the chiefs have been doing this uh since the 70s and they they generally do about one one guy a year sometimes they skip a year uh, but about 10, 10 players, and I think almost exactly 10 or 10, 9 or 10 every decade get in the Hall of Honor. There's 49 players in there right now. And so in uh, Jacob's article, uh, he, 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 he talked about who should, who should be next, who's going to be number 50. The most recent inductee into the Hall of Honor was uh, Tim Grunhardt in 2021. Um, so, and nobody got in in 2020. So, he, he, he suggested three guys. I want to run them by you, Verter, and get your thoughts and then see if there's anybody else you think is missing from that list. And if you guys that are watching live, if you want to see who's in there right now or if you're listening later, you can find that at uh, caseychiefs.com slash hall of honor, all one word, um, and it's all right there. So um, Jacob suggested Jamal Charles, Alex Smith, and Derek Johnson. What do you think of that list, and is there somebody who stands out on it for you that you think should get it? Well, right, right off the bat, I mean, look, it's a no-brainer. Jamal Charles is, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, Derek Johnson, absolutely. I mean, he's all-time waiting tackle on the team. Derek Johnson's one of those guys that like, he won't make it to the Hall of Fame, but he's like the next class. The Hall of very, very, very good. I mean, Derek yeah. Johnson was a phenomenal player. Those two are easy. Alex Smith, I could see being more divisive for, for the fan base. I personally think that guy, as history goes on, will be very favorable to him. He, he took them over when they sucked. And right. he gave them professionalism. He gave them competency. He gave them a base to work off of. And then he took Mahomes under his wing. That could have been a really rough situation. It wasn't. I, I would put all three of them in. I would I would put all three of them in. I see Lucas says, Savvy Piscatelli, son of a bitch. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible day when Savvy Piscatelli gets brought into the mix. Shabby but yeah, Savvy. I think for me, all three, but Charles and DJ, it's not even a question. They're, they're in. Yeah, you know, with Alex, Alex is a tough one because he's one of my favorite Chiefs ever. And he really was a bright spot and, and, and helped turn the, the team around. But also when you look at any one, one playoff game, now, of course, you know, Tony Gonzalez is in there. He never won any playoff games, but he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think Alex is a, is a Hall of Famer. So right. it's, it's, it's tough. And, and some of the guys who are on here, I mean, you know, Derek Thomas and um, Tony Richardson and, and Gonzalez, Priest Holmes, Brian Waters, Will Shields. So it's, 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 a, it's very exclusive. It's, it's, not, it's not, you know, the hall you get in where it's like, oh, you know, we just, we really loved you. You were a fan favorite, but a lot of really great players, Marty's in there, Marty Schottenheimer. I don't know. I, I honestly, I think it depends on how the decade shakes out with great Chiefs players because they got a lot of good ones right now. 
Did it? And, and it could be tough for for Alex to get in there, but I'd like to see him in. I, I, you know, I love him, and I think he did a lot for the franchise. And I agree with you, Jamal, Derek Johnson, no brainers. Let us know in the chat. What do you guys think? Cheeto Freak says, "Is Dustin Colquitt in yet?" He will be. Yeah, because Gerald yeah. Wilson is in. Who was the yeah. punter during their their championship in '69? Colquitt will be in. I've seen a lot of people say Eric Berry. Eric Berry is going to make it. Yeah, er- Eric Berry will be in the Chiefs Hall of Fame, Hall of Honor. Another one, by the way, that's a no brainer. He will get in. Tom Bali. Tom Bali yes. will get in. That's no doubt. I-, I mean, after that, then I think it becomes a little more interesting. I mean, like we know like certain guys in team right now. Like he'll he'll be in when he retires one day. Kelsey's Kelsey put it now. Mahomes the same thing. What about Justin Houston? Hmm. I, yeah, Justin, Justin Houston, Houston getting, he was a damn good player for them for a long time. What about, what about, what about, uh, Jared Allen? Not yeah. on the team long enough. Yeah. I, that's the only thing he was great. I don't know if he was there long enough. Uh, Lucas is Mitchell Schwartz again. I don't, I, I mean, was he there long enough, but he was great. Yeah. You know, Connor saying Eric Fisher, you know, actually I was just about to say, Nate beat me to it. Tyron Matthew. Would, yeah. would he go? I, he was only there for three years, but <laughs> He was pretty damn important. Yeah. I, you know what? I think I would put him in. You would? Okay. I would. Yeah. And I know it's a three-year deal. I get it. I would I would put I would put him in over either of the tackles because I just think in love in terms of the importance to them, like how many how many guys are more important to them? You know, I I mean Chris Jones will be Chris in there Jones. one day. You know, yeah, Chris Jones will get in. Um uh somebody uh Alan said Tony Richardson should be considered Tony's in there. He was He's inducted in, in yep. 2016. And that's the thing is when you start talking about some of these guys, it, it on paper you're like, Oh yeah, Alex Smith, he was great. But then when you start looking at you gotta look at the guys from like the last 10 years or so, and then you gotta say, Hey man, like I'm getting one a year, basically, the yeah. decade. And it starts I mean, to get harder. The only thing though is like if you look at the last 10 years, they put in now I I'm not I'm not denigrating any of these guys, but like Gary Green and Carlos Carson got in there. I mean, like now, look. I also understand the Chiefs just really for twenty years there basically were trotting me out there. But right. like, you're going to tell me that Tyron Matthew wasn't more important in the history of this franchise than Gary Green? Yeah, I would defy a lot of people in this chat right now. What position did Gary Green play? I'm sure a lot of you know. Some are probably like who, and I wouldn't blame you. I think there's an argument to be made. Like I would, they won a Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. Like I would put Tyron Matthew, and he's a captain of that defense. He was an All Pro for them. He was. But I, to me, that guy gets in. But again, at the same point, you can't put everybody in. But they, I mean, look, this is other than, and maybe even more so in a lot of ways, quite honestly, the 60s, like this is like the golden age for this team. I mean, they're, they're going to have a lot of guys off the, the last five years or so that are going to get in and should get in, deserve to get in. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Here's one for you. Should Willie Rofe be in? I mean, great player. Uh... How long was he with them? Six years? It's hard, always hard for me to remember because Carl kept, you know, dragging him out of retirement. The poor man just wanted to rest. Yeah. I, I, Carl I, Peterson would not let him. Is Carl Peterson in there? I don't think he – no, he's not. You keep him out. Yeah, yeah. Well, King Carl. Um, I don't want him in ever. Yeah, 
And yeah, uh, Joshua brings up a good point. It says the Hall of Honor is separate from the Ring of Honor, if he's not mistaken. Yes, it is separate. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, look, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that absolutely deserve to go in. They've been there the last five years or so. And, they, and, yeah. and you know what, to me, like, it's always like that argument with the Hall of Fame. Like, how many more Steelers are we going to put in? Well, they won four out of six years, so probably a lot of them. Right. You know, like, yeah. it's like, well, did they really have nine Hall of Famers? They, yeah, yeah, they, they did. They, they were great. The same thing with the Packers and the Niners of the 80s. Like, yes. I mean, we can kind of maybe move on, but I think like the bigger argument, not maybe argument, my bigger question, take, try everybody, like, take your, take your bias out the best you can for a second. How many guys that have been on the Chiefs, and I'm not including, like, Terrell Suggs, who's there for, like, an hour. Like, how many guys who have been on the Chiefs under Andy Reid are going to end up in the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, not the Chiefs Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame? How many guys are going to end up getting in? Hmm. Definitely Kelsey. Yep. Obviously, uh, Mahomes probably already in. I think Tyreek Hill is going to make it. I yeah. think he's. I do too. He's going to make it. Unless um, he totally falls apart. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Is Chris Jones a Hall of Famer? I think he's got to have a couple more really, really good years. Yeah. You know, he's he's like a kind of wait and see. But I mean, my point is, you look at those guys. I don't think Justin Houston's going to get in, but he was a damn good player. The same yeah. thing with Tamba, the same thing with Derek Johnson. I mean, if you start looking at the careers that these guys put together, you know, now you got to keep in mind, man, it is it is an ungodly bar to get in. Like Tamba, five-time Pro Bowler, 89 and a half sacks. That's a great career, but like he's not going to get in. He just didn't do enough. He's not going to get in. Now, I, I actually, look, I'm not a Hall of Fame voter. I would love to be one day. I think it would be awesome, but I'm not currently. Derek Johnson to me, Four-time Pro Bowl, one-time All-Pro. He's not going to get in, but like I would vote for him before I voted for Tomba, as great as Tomba was. You know, I think I think he's an interesting guy, but I don't think either one of them make it. Now, Houston, he is somebody statistically who probably has the best case, also four-time Pro Bowl, also one-time All-Pro, but he has 102 sacks. My argument would be this. I think Tyreek gets in, Kelsey gets in, Mahomes gets in. I think Eric Berry is getting in the Hall of Fame. Made a bunch of Pro Bowls. So first team row. And one thing that I've talked to a lot of Hall of Fame voters on this on and off the record about, if you make an all-decade team, like you have a very, very good chance of the Hall of Fame. And he did. Like I I and because of you know his whole story and everything else, I, I don't think it's gonna be first ballot or anything. It'll take a little while. I think he's gonna end up in the Hall of Fame. So that's four. Mitchell Schwartz was a Hall of Fame level player. I just don't know that he did it long enough. I could see him being like one of these guys in like 50 years with the veterans committee that he gets in. Yeah. You know, I, 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 but I think that's what it would take. Chris Jones is the interesting one. And then look, why do we even waste time on this? Creed Humphrey and, and Trey Smith just put him in now. Right. Right. And we're <laughs> going to talk about them in, in just a minute. That's right. There's some good young players that have yet to uh, even really finish the first chapter of their story. Right. But um, before we get to that, I got to tell you this, uh, this podcast is brought to you by the Kansas city beer company at Casey Beer Co. on Twitter. Casey Beer Co. I'm rocking. The, this is a really fresh polo, by the way. I, I tucked this in yes, the drawer and totally forgot about it in the wintertime. Was in there messing around today. Pulled this thing out. It's been great. It's keeping me cool. Uh, just like my my Casey Beer. I had a, we had a fire over the weekend. You know, I was getting over the, the COVID and uh, so couldn't really go anywhere, but was feeling much better. We're sitting outside. I cracked open a Casey beer and it, boy, it was, it was the first beer I had since I got sick and it really hit the spot. Casey Beer Co., longtime sponsors of this podcast are absolutely fantastic. They're, they're going to be with us you know, through the end of the year here. Um, 
If you're in Kansas City, look for that red KC Beer Co. carton in your store. If you haven't tried it yet, it's absolutely fantastic. We smuggled some back here to Chicago, enjoying it all the time. Um, and give them a shout out on Twitter, at KC Beer Co. Let them know that you heard about their product on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Uh, I know that this is one of those breweries where you guys that listen in other places, you can't get it because it's not distributed everywhere yet. Yet is the key word, right? Yep. This is, you know, this is a newer company. They haven't been around for that long, but they make fantastic beer. They're super popular. If you go anywhere in Kansas City, they're almost always on tap. Um, so it's not just Boulevard anymore that you see. Casey Beer Co. is there. So um, keep an eye on it. If you get to Kansas City, check it out. And hopefully they'll be where you are soon. Dare to beer different. Okay, let's talk about this offensive line that's so fantastic. We, we always mention them, but we never really dive deep into these guys. And, and, and now's a great time to do it. So a list just came out over at Pro Football Network. And what they did was they ranked the top 20 NFL offensive linemen heading into the 2022 season. And the Chiefs, not surprisingly, but it's just incredible, have three players on that list. Three of the 20 slots, and, and two of them are very highly ranked. So Creed Humphrey, which I was a little bit surprised at, and I think Creed's fantastic. If he's not number out, one, throw the list in the garbage. Right? He, no. he, 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 he edged out Joe Tooney, uh, but Creed is four, Tooney's five. And Trey Smith is 20, which I thought was a little bit low for how dominant I think he is. Is that just interior linemen or all offensive linemen? I th- it's it's interior. I'm okay. so yeah, sorry. No, that's right. an I important just distinction. To clarify. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interior. Um, so obviously the list is is headed by uh, Zach Martin of the Cowboys, Quentin Nelson of the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. Um Ryan Jensen of the of the Buccaneers edged out Creed for for center. Um, but Creed came in at number four. Um, it's a good write-up. You can check it out. It's at uh, profootballnetwork.com slash top 32 NFL interior offensive lineman. Just Google that. Uh, what is your opinion? Do you think they got these rankings right for the Chiefs players? I mean, I think, look, Tooney and, and Humphrey, you said a four and five? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, four I and mean, five. Yeah, Humphrey, four. Look, I, I mean, Tooney, they gave the biggest contract in NFL history to, to an interior offensive lineman. I'd say he well lived up to it last year. Humphrey, I don't know that people – outside of Kansas City who haven't watched him every year, like realize how ridiculous that kid is. Yeah. To draft that guy in the second round and just he's immediately that good, especially at center where you've got to know all the calls and protections and everything. I mean, that, there's a lot going on in that offense. To be that dominant that quickly, like all kidding aside, no, like obviously Creed Humphrey's not going to the Hall of Fame based off his rookie season. That's the kind of guy that you watch and see like, can he be a guy who goes to like eight all pros and has 12 Pro Bowls? I mean, that's the kind of player you're talking about um and then trey smith the 20 like that's an amazing accomplishment like you're one of the top 20 interior offensive linemen think about across the league there are 96 starting interior offensive linemen he's a sixth round rookie like they did not plan on starting him i remember out of otas talking to someone close to the team otas like you can't have contact and they were like if this kid if this translates into training camp this kid's starting like there's no way that that he's going to just be on the bench he's too talented um, and then, you know, of course, Kyle Long got hurt, and, and that was that was kind of that. But no, they look, I think it's a, a fair ranking. Having one of the two top guys or having two of the top five guys is ridiculous. And yeah. two of the, the three guys on that list you just mentioned, they cost nothing. They right. cost nothing. So that's great for the Chiefs. Uh, really kudos to, to Veach in the front office for, for being able to get that kind of talent in those rounds. 
Yeah, and to go from what they were the year before that, where the offensive line cost them a shot at a Super Bowl, to having three guys on this list in a year, two of them rookies. Um, I wonder, so in these types of situations, and when we saw this um, with Hudson, like it can be hard when you get these really great offensive linemen, interior guys especially, and they're they're and you've got other guys you gotta pay. Is Creed Humphrey, and I hate to be having this conversation so early in his career, but when he comes up for a renewal on his contract, if he's the which he could be the best center in the NFL, some people think he already is. Yeah. Like, are you gonna be able to keep that guy? Are you, you gonna spend to. that much money on, that on, on him? You have to. You you have to you have to keep him. He's he protects Mahomes. Like he's he's the pivot point and the line. Yeah, you. I mean, to me, if there is any place you are going to spend money other than quarterback on this team, it is your offensive line. And that's why when people talk about Brown and how much they look, man, if you've got a great offensive line and that quarterback, they're going to score points. Like, I don't care. I understand having Kelsey and Hill makes it easier. But even when Kelsey retires one day, if they even have average weapons, they will be ridiculous. They will be ridiculous offensively with that offensive line. Like, Trent Green was a good quarterback. Trent Green looked like Joe Montana for a couple years behind that offensive line because he just had all day to throw the ball. You know, he had Holmes or anything else. Now, now obviously, they had some great weapons. I'm not saying they didn't. But I I do not expect them to let him walk out the door. No. And now, at that point, you got to make a decision, maybe. I mean, you're still going to pay Tooney a whole bunch of money. You know, how do you, how do you go? For, but I also think those problems are good problems to have. Yeah. You can factor that in years down the road. You don't know what the cap's going to look like in three years from now. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of different factors. But for now, look, assuming they sign Brown long-term, you've got him, Tooney, Humphrey, and Smith at least all for the next three seasons. I mean, that's the kind of continuity you dream of. And if Kennard ends up being good or if Yang ends up being the guy, you got one of those guys for at least three more years. So the Chiefs are in a very good spot on their offensive line. How good can this group be? I mean, again, two of these guys we're talking about are rookies. Orlando Brown Jr. is still also very young and has right. just sort of gotten into playing the position. None of them are 30. In, in, in Kansas City system. How, there's a bit of a question mark at right tackle, which I'll ask you about in a second, but how good can this offensive line be in two years? Great, great. Um, and that's not like a Homer thing. I mean, they could be great. I'm of the opinion right now they have the best interior offensive line of football. And apparently Pro Football Network is on board with that theory. Uh, they, I mean, how many times last year, and we, and, and comparatively speaking, especially when you think about the previous seasons, how many times last year did Mahomes have pressure up the middle? I mean, almost never. Like, could you yeah. step up, step into a throw, let it rip? And I feel like it took him about half the season to really trust his offensive line. You know, I know at times we talked about, like he felt like he'd bail a little bit. By the end of the year, like go back and watch that Bills game in the playoffs. The, the Bills constantly were trying to bring pressure around the edges, and he just over and over and over would step up, let it rip, step up, let it rip. And, it, and the Bills have Ed Oliver inside. It's not like they have nobody. Like To me, those guys, it's just so critical. Look, you can deal with edge pressure if the interior of your line is solid. You can step up, especially if you're mobile like Mahomes. You can step up, you can run. To me – that offensive line can be great. You bring Brown back. Look, I'm not arguing Brown's a top five left tackle or anything, but he's a good player. He's a good, a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle. You know how many teams would like to have him? At least probably about 20. So to me, if you've got a top 12 left tackle, which is about where I'd put him, and then you've got three star interior players, if your right tackle is even serviceable, that's a great offensive line. I asked Sterling this on Tuesday. I'm interested to hear your answer to it. Is Orlando Brown Jr. better than Eric Fisher? 
You know, it's funny. I actually think they're very similar in terms of their uh, the talent level. Ah, uh, I think if you made me pick one of them, I think Brown is probably the more athletic guy. Um, I think Fisher might have been a little bit more consistent toward the latter part of his career. I'd probably take Brown, and and be, only because I think he's going to get a little bit better too as time goes on. But I think they're very similar. Like I never thought of Fisher as the best left tackle in football, but I always thought he was like right around the top ten, solid. You didn't have to worry about him. That's how I feel about Brown. Yeah, that's how I remember Fisher. Is you very dependable? You can count on him. If he's going up against a top-tier pass rusher, he's going to struggle a little bit, but he's not going to melt down, right? Um, and yeah. I, I, I think I think Brown could potentially – I mean, I, I can say this because I know how Fisher's career turned out, but I think Brown could end up having a, a better career than Fisher that c- he could be better yeah. than Eric Fisher. Yeah. Well, how many uh, – I, I could do – I could look it up, but how many Pro Bowls did Fisher make? Not that this is like the end-all, be-all, but I know he made yeah. a few. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, um, I'll, I'll look it up. But my point yeah. is, I mean, Brown is not even you know close to 30 years old yet. I think he's 26, 27. And you're talking about a guy who's already got the three straight Pro Bowls. I mean, that matters. And by the way, he's 26, just turned 26. So Orlando Brown's 26 years old. He's been the three Pro Bowls, two from the right side, one from the left side. I mean, Fisher was a really good player. But if, if I had, it, it's by the way, it's crazy to say this. Fisher's only 31 years old. He's a free agent right now. I mean, he's he's out on the market. He's, he struggled a little bit last yeah. year. He made two Pro Bowls, okay? Eric Fisher made two Pro Bowls, 2018 and 2020. I mean, Brown's 26 years old. He's made three Pro Bowls. So I would take Brown. But I do yeah. I do think, though, that Fisher, Fisher gets underrated over the course of time. Fisher was a good football player. He wasn't great, but he was he was good. And in the end, he was he was a help in them winning the Super Bowl, even though in the Super Bowl itself, he got run over like a road cone by Bosa the entire game. They, you know, they found a way. What about the right tackle position? Is it Lucas Niang? Like what, you know, I think sometimes the rest of the offensive line is so good, we sort of gloss over the fact that that's sort of up in the air. How do you see that playing out? I think it'd be Niang if he's healthy, but he's coming off a torn patella like real late in the year. That's a That's a serious injury. Like that's just that could like keep him out for a year. I think Wiley is probably the guy. Look, Andrew Wiley is one of these guys that every team, every good team has. Like they're the kind of guy you look at him and you're like, yeah, you know, he's okay. I'd like to upgrade him, but he doesn't get you killed. Like Andrew Wiley, to his credit, doesn't get you killed. If if Kennard comes out and is really good, I could see him winning the job. I remember speaking, who's very familiar with with Kennard, right after the draft. Uh, 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 someone around that program who said, hey, look, guy, like he's he's heavy-handed, he's powerful, needs to refine his pass pro technique, but is somebody who can really maul you to death. So if if Kennard's pass pro is good, then I could see him starting right away. But if that's a little shaky and you got to tune that up, like let's be real, if you're the Chiefs, that's what matters most, right? You're not going to throw him out there. Mahomes has some trust, I would think, at least in Wiley. So I'll say Wiley. But I do think Kennard has a real shot if he comes in and plays well in camp. It's going to be one of those positions to watch in the preseason. Hasn't gotten a lot of run. We haven't even talked about that much, but it's, no. uh, I would say it's up for grabs and should be interesting. Do you think they should bring back Eric Fisher, give him a look at the right side? No. I, I, I have a lot of respect for Eric Fisher. I think Eric Fisher's done. Yeah. You know, okay. That Achilles injury, you know, that, at that size, that age, that's, a, that's tough, man. I mean, and by the way, think about where the Chiefs would have been last year. Like, Say whatever you want about Veach, which I think most people are pretty favorable toward. 
a lot of people thought they should have just hey, look, bring back Fisher and Schwartz and let's see what happens. Well, Schwartz ends up retiring. They they cut Fisher, and of course, they cut Schwartz as well um, before you knew for a fact he was going to retire. Then they traded for Orlando Brown. I detailed this in a, in a story I did last year where I broke down the Chiefs all offseason. When they traded for Brown, they didn't know it at the time, but they essentially also traded for Creed Humphrey because with the pick that they got, the second round pick they got back from Baltimore, that pick ended up being Bolton. The Ravens, per a source that I talked to in the league, along with the Giants, were very smitten with Creed Humphrey and were willing to take him right around that spot. If the Ravens still have that Nick Bolton pick and the Chiefs don't trade for Orlando Brown, they probably have the Brown or Creed Humphrey, and the Ravens probably have at least one, if not both of them. I mean, that's crazy all in their world to live in. Yeah, yeah. The, actually, from the, the the Pro Football Network article that we mentioned in their write-up for Creed Humphrey, they said, no fan or analyst outside of Kansas City should ever forgive the league for allowing Creed Humphrey to fall to pick 63. Amen to that. Appreciate yep. it, everybody. Thanks for the help. Uh, we're going to move on here, but first I just wanted to let you know that um, if you like the Arrowhead Addict podcast, consider becoming a member of the Arrowhead Addict family. Members get access to special emojis and loyalty badges that they can use during our live YouTube streams, which we're doing right now. And you get access to our private Discord where you can hang out with the AA hosts and talk Chiefs football, movies, beer, so much more. It's especially fun this time of year because um, there's not as much Chiefs news. So we're talking about all kinds of things in there. Um, members get invites to special events like happy hours, uh, virtual happy hours, and, and maybe some in person here in uh, later this summer or in the fall. Um, we're doing trivia coming up pretty soon where you're giving away some Arrowhead Addict swag. So we appreciate your support. If you're interested, check out the link in the description. All right, Verderam. So as we talk about heading into training camp and, you know, players that are, are, are out there, they're trying to make a name for themselves. Is there anybody that you have on your list to be a breakout candidate for the Chiefs this year? So look, I, I'm going to exclude rookies because I just, I, I don't know if you can be a breakout candidate. I mean, I guess you technically could be, but I'm going to exclude them. Um, Everybody and their mother is probably going to say McCall Hardman because they, they got rid of Tyreek Hill and now he's going to get more targets. I will I will go a different way. I think I think Nick Bolton, who I think a lot of people in KC already feel like is a is a good player. I would not be surprised if Nick Bolton by the end of the year you're like that guy's a borderline All Pro. Like, and it's funny because uh-huh. I'll be very honest. When they took him, I watched him, and my first thought was he can't really run. Like he's not like he's physical, but he can't run. And he's not the fastest guy. Willie Gay makes him look like he's a defensive tackle when he runs because Willie Gay runs like a wide receiver. But Bolton, especially the second half of the year, once he kind of got used to the NFL and started reading keys, he's so instinctual. In that regard, he reminds me of Derek Johnson. Like, just he beats offensive linemen to spots. You're like, that offensive lineman knew where he was going, and Bolton still got there and blew the whole play up. I think I think that linebacking core in general could be yeah. a breakout. But Bolton, for the year, Bolton was unblockable at times. I mean, there were games where he would just blow up play after play after play after play. He's my guy. I love it. I agree. I think he's going to be fantastic this year. Second year in the system. He's comfortable, confident. But my guy, I'm going with another linebacker. My breakout candidate is Willie Gay Jr. I go. think Willie Gay Jr., this is it. I think he's going to go off. And my, I, I talked about this on Tuesday with Sterling. My bold prediction for Willie Gay Jr., I think he's going to have four interceptions this year okay. at the linebacker position. He's so instinctual. He's so light on his feet. Uh, he's got ups and athleticism. And I think he's going to... I think he's going to be the beneficiary of a of a tipped Chris Jones. Chris Jones is going to be in the middle all year. 
He's gonna get he's gonna get one of those right to him. But I think he's gonna sneak up on on a couple of quarterbacks back there now that he's seen a lot of different offenses. He's played guys like Justin Herbert a couple times, you know, and and he's going to see some tendencies, and I think he's going to jump in some throwing lanes and make some really big plays for this team. Have you ever seen the movie The Replacements? I've not, no. Okay, so then you won't know what I'm talking about. But there's a guy in the movie, and he's a pretty well-known actor. I should probably know his name, but he he was in Rudy, which is my favorite movie of all time. I don't know if I'll fight anybody. But he's, he's in the movie, and he plays this linebacker who is just a maniac of a human being. It's terrifying. I feel like that's Leo Chanel. Like, just based off of, like, yeah. his tape, and then when they brought him in, and they had, like, that post-draft party at Arrowhead, and they're like, Leo, what can we expect? Yeah, John Favreau. Thank you, Nate. It was driving me nuts. And they, they brought in Chanel, and they're like, so, Leo, like, what can we expect from you this year? He's like, violence. Lots and lots <laughs> of violence. <laughs> just, you're like, yeah, after watching here. you for three or four games, that kind of tracks. Like He's just, he's a million miles. He's the kind of guy that occasionally is going to get caught way out of position because he's just so aggressive, but he's also the kind of guy that on third and one is going to shoot a gap and kill somebody for like a five-yard yeah. loss. Their, their linebacking core is not going to lack for, for athleticism and getting up the field. I mean, they're, yeah. they're going to be able to do that. That's what he reminds me of. He reminds me of Favreau's character in The Replacements, who is just absolutely out of his mind. A couple other guys that were mentioned in the chat that I agree with. Juan Thornhill is definitely a guy to watch. I mean, I, and by the way, I love the fact, we didn't even talk about this, I don't think, that he was like, I'm going to be an all-pro this year. Like, yeah. all right, I, look, I don't know if he's going to be an all-pro, but like, good on you, Juan. Like, you should yeah. feel that way. You should absolutely feel that way. Like, he, yeah. I thought he was going to be great, and he tore his ACL his rookie year, and it feels like he never quite came back from it in the, in the eyes of the staff. Thankfully, now we don't have to worry about Dan Sorensen vulturing 600 of his snaps. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I, there's a lot of picks defensively because they have a lot of young talent, but a lot of it's unproven to some extent. So it's going to be really interesting. It is going to be interesting. I can't wait to see this young defense that I think is going to be a lot more athletic and a lot nastier, which is pretty exciting. All right, let's um, let's talk rivalry rankings. Just before we do that, though, hey, make sure if you if you like the show and you want to rock some swag, uh, we have swag. Check out the link in the description and rock some Arrowhead Attic Podcast gear. Uh, check out the Adidas golf hat, which I wore on Tuesday. I have it right here, actually. Isn't that nice? Huh? Look at that. You Here's get yourself that. a nice Casey Beerco hoodie or a, a golf shirt. You put the hat on. You look great. You're ready to hit the links. Um, check it out. It's an Adidas hat. It's really good. There's some great t-shirts in there. I rock the red Arrowhead Attic Podcast t-shirt all the time this summer. All right. Let's talk uh, rivalry rankings. So I thought this would be fun to do. We all know... The, the rivalry, right? The, the, I'm talking in division here. I'm not talking about anyone else. And, you know, I'm not talking about the Seahawks or anything like that. Let's talk about the big three, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. Why don't you give me your rundown uh, from third to first, Vertoram, of uh, your hate so, list? Based off of the division, I mean, the Chargers for me have to be third, which is weird because I think they're probably the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the division. But, I like, at no point in my life have I ever had, had like, a full-on hatred of the Chargers. Like, Rivers would drive you nuts sometimes as a Chiefs fan. But, like, I, a lot of Rivers' career, the Chiefs sucked. So it wasn't really – it didn't matter. And then when Andy got there, like, the Chargers stopped mattering because the Chiefs were always better than the Chargers. So I, I don't I don't know that I – like I've ever had a t- like when I was a kid in the nineties, like who like who really got worked up about Stan Humphreys? Right. You know, I, I don't I I just yeah. think and you mentioned the Seahawks, by the way. The Chiefs and the Seahawks, they ever have a rivalry? Did anyone yeah. ever care about Seattle? Yeah. Uh so they're three for me. Number two, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna rile up a lot of people with this one. I'm gonna go with the Raiders. I know historically they're the much bigger rivalry. And my my like if you ask my dad, the Raiders would be like one, two, three, four, and like seventy two. Okay. <laughs> right. But for me, 
and that is a huge rivalry. But like the Raiders have largely been atrocious most of my life. Yeah, they've never been. Like, and the years they were good, like those couple years with like Gannon and Rice and Tim Brown, like the Chiefs are terrible. So how many years have the two of them had, or they've both been simultaneously good in my lifetime? You know, I count them on one hand. The Broncos for me are easily number one. That team, when I was a kid, ripped my heart out over and over and over and over and over. Yep. I can't express to someone who wasn't around for those Elway years how good it feels to have beaten them 13 times in a row. Oh, man. Like, it, if that streak goes on forever, I'm good. Like, it, yep. it is so – like, last year when they played Denver, the game meant a little, but it didn't mean a ton that last game of the year. But beating them just to keep that streak going, like, awesome. Yep. You know, I just – Denver's number one easily for me. As big as the Raiders is, and it's a big rivalry, and you get up for that, and it's Raider Week and all Because of my age and the era and everything, the, the Broncos are the team that, for me, it's like that's the game that I always want them to win. I love it. Let us know your list in the in the chat, those of you that are watching live. And, and you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening to this later. Hey, hit us up. Leave us a five-star review and let us know your rankings in your review. We'll read it on the show. Uh for me, it uh, probably makes people mad with this, but I'm with you, Verter. I'm on the Raiders. It's Raiders are number three for me. I dis, I dislike the Raiders, but in my I'm 39 wow. years old. In my era, they've lar- largely been garbage, and the Chiefs have, have have handled them a lot, especially recently. And that's what part part of what makes it a rivalry, you know, is you you got to lose to them sometimes, and it and it frustrates you. So it's it's like you know you watch last year and all the Raiders come out and. They dance on the Chiefs logo and then they get boat raced. And it's just That's a, hilarious. so they kind of become a joke in my mind, you know. Um, and so I, I hate them, but they're, 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 they've been less of a thorn in the Chiefs side in my lifetime and my Chiefs fandom than number two on the list, the Chargers. I really hated the Chargers when they had Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there were there were those years there where they kind of dominated the division and we couldn't get past them. Um, so, you know, and friggin' Antonio Gates going out there and, and, and causing us problems all the time. Um, really just, and, and now they've got Justin Herbert and, uh, and I'm sick of them being picked to win the division every year. So I got them at number two. They, they annoy me a lot more. And then I'm with you, man. Number one is the Raiders Elway, all those teams during the nineties, then they get Peyton Manning and win a, you know, win a super bowl. Uh, I hate those guys, hate their fans. Just hate them in general. Hate the obnoxious them group of people. Yeah, it's always it's always good to, to beat the Broncos. And again, because because they've largely been a you know they've been a worthy adversary to the Chiefs a lot well, in my lifetime, and that's ratcheted up the hate. Let's be honest. For most of the eighties, nineties, aughts, they were the Chiefs' big brothers. I mean, they were. And they were, just call it what it is. Now the Chiefs are just pounding on them nonstop. Yeah. I mean, but it's been yeah. I will say this though: I think in ten years, five years, you might have been go. You know, who the best rivalry is with the Chiefs, the Bills. That yeah. feels like one of those like that Pat's Colts deal that went on for like fifteen years, which is every year those teams back and forth and what they're seeing each other in the playoffs. And I mean that you know you're always, the divisional rivalries are always going to be the ones that they're the longest lasting and you play here twice a year. But in terms of like like I know some people say what about the Pat? But I I feel like if you ask the Patriots, it's the Chiefs aren't a rival for the Pats. You know, they, they, they weren't. The Bills, like, they hate the Chiefs at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I think Chiefs fans yeah. are like, man, enough of Josh Allen. What about Mahomes? Like, I think that, and you know what, for me anyway, and this is a, just a quirky thing, but my one of the reasons I can't get into the Chargers is they have no fans. Like, I can't, it's like, oh, wow, mm. we're going to go play the Chargers on the road. It's like a home game. 
I mean, part of it with Denver was like going a mile high. And, you know, like, say whatever you want about the fans, like, they're crazy and it's passionate. It's loud. It's the same thing with Buffalo. Like, it's a brutal place to go play and it's outside and it's cold. And, like, for me, there's something about that that makes it even more so. Where I feel like with the Chargers, it's just always been so, like, sterile. They don't have fans. There's never any elements involved unless it's an arrowhead. Like, so I, I really I think I think the Chiefs and Bills, I have the feeling you're gonna look back on oh, man, Allen and Mahomes played sure 20 times. They saw each other in the playoffs six times. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think that's gonna be one you'll look back on. That's gonna be a big one. Yeah, you know, they've played each other a lot, even in recent years, when they both stunk. And so we were playing the Bills every year because yeah. <laughs> we were always yeah. in last place. And so were they. So, yeah, it's been – we've played the Bills a lot. Um, great, great historic franchise, good rivalry. Who do you like outside of the, the division? Who do you like beating the most when you, when you play them? Like, what other team? Like, for me, it's the Steelers. Like, the Steelers have always been good. They would usually beat the Chiefs. We ran into them in the playoffs. Like, hate those guys. Grew up in Northeast Ohio, too. So, that was another reason I didn't like the Steelers. So, for me, it's yep. the Steelers. I don't know that I have a team. I mean, now I guess it's probably Buffalo, not because I even dislike them. I actually like Buffalo. I think they're a lot of fun to watch. I just, because they're so good, like it's such a, for me, a rivalry. I, I think though, you know what, and I don't share the same hatred of this team as a lot of people do. Probably the Colts. Yeah, the Like, Colts. it's always nice to just put one on Indianapolis after some of the things they've done to the Chiefs. So I guess them, but I there's not a team outside the division that I'm really like, oh, they've got to kill us. I mean, for years it was New England. You know, like, because they're the gold standard. Yeah. And I think that's the same way it is now. Like, for the Chiefs, for a lot of teams outside, like, the Bills, the Bengals, who do they probably want to beat the most? Kansas City. Yeah. That's probably who it is, right? So, but I would say the Colts, just based off history. And Wolfman mentioned uh, the Bengals. And, yeah, that, like, that that's an itch that uh, a lot of these teams that we've mentioned, the Ravens, the Bills, like, they don't very often beat the Chiefs. And so... You know, they really, when they got those wins last year, that was really big for them. I think for Chiefs fans right now, even though it's it's only been two games, losing twice in the way that the Chiefs lost to the Bengals, that's a frustrating one. Boy, do I want to get revenge this year for Kansas City uh, against the Bengals. I'd really like to see them get a win against those guys. Um, let's see what people are saying in the chat here. Lucas uh, says, for me, outside of Buffalo, it's the Colts or Ravens. I like to beat the most. Yeah, it's a good one. Conzo uh, says it's going to be Miami for me now. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of my, boy, these Miami fans, are they coming out of the woodwork or what this offseason? You almost never hear from those guys. And now they're all like, two is good. There's all these, where'd all these two of fanboys come from all of a sudden? It's incredible. I know. It's, it's, um, it's bizarre to me. Like, so many people take up from like this two and on thing. And it's like, bro, he's the nothing in two years. Like, I, yeah. I think it's just almost like at this point, you know, your guy gets dunked on, so it becomes this rallying cry of like he's better than you think. It's like, no, right. he's really not. Actually, he's not. And if he's not good this year, they're gonna immediately give up. Here's what's funny though with Miami. So if you look at the Dolphins' schedule this year, okay, if you go and look at who they play, everybody's saw the Dolphins this, the Dolphins that. All right, I'm gonna pull up their schedule for people. So the Dolphins this season, they have a slate where they start out and just pull this up here. I almost just read off the preseason schedule. That would have been that would have been not helpful because it's not really to the point. Okay. They start out at home against New England. You're like, okay, they can win that game. Then they're at Baltimore. Then they play Buffalo. Then they're at the Bengals. 
Like I can make a real compelling case. They're zero and four, or one and three immediately. I, I mean, I gotta tell you, I don't, I don't care. Like the Dolphins, I don't spend any time thinking about the Dolphins, and I cover the league for a living. And I, yeah. like, I, I think about them in the sense like I try to write about every team and stack in the box. Or I try to think of an angle about them, but like I don't, I don't think about them in a contender's way. Let's put it that way. I don't ever stop and think to myself like, geez, are the Dolphins are they gonna make a run? Like I keep thinking all this stuff with Hill. The only thing is, as someone who's yeah covers the league and like and likes headlines, but also as a Chiefs fan, do you know how bad I want to see the Chiefs play the Dolphins in a playoff game at Arrowhead this year? Yep. I would be willing to bet that Mahomes might never run the football that entire game. Like he might just <laughs> check out of a play at the line. Every, oh my! You know what they would do purposely off? I mean, it would be insane what Mahomes would do in that game to prove a point. And then yeah. I can tell you right now, if they did anything. They would double him every play just to make the point. I mean, they if if the Chiefs play the Dolphins and they're healthy in a playoff game this year and it's at Arrowhead, you couldn't give me a line big enough not to pick Kansas City. Like yeah. I I could with between what he said and toward Reed and Mahomes. I mean, you couldn't give me a line big enough that I wouldn't take Kansas City and swallow the points and say, Yeah, I think the Chiefs can win that game by about 30 points. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, if they make the playoffs. Um, they're right, not real, even make the playoffs. <laughs> real quick before we get out of here, since it's so damn hot, give me your top three popsicle flavors. What are your go-tos? So, you know, first of all, this is better for my daughter, who loves popsicles more than life itself. I like those flavor ices, like those, you know, like the... Uh, oh, the old school push up. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go uh, lime, uh, blue raspberry, and then... Uh, I like orange. I'm a fan of orange. I love it. I love it. Lime. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm an orange guy too. Uh, orange is my number one, actually. Orange, then I got to go probably cherry after that. And then I'll go lime as well. I do love a good lime. Um, I, I read this one, this article once where they talked about, uh, it was like a it was just crackpot theory that you could tell which kid somebody was in order based on their favorite popsicle because they were like, Cherry is the most popular. So if someone says cherry is their favorite, it's probably the firstborn. And then, you know, like second or third kids would like grape or orange, you know? And then like, if somebody says something weird, like banana or like lime or something like that, they maybe is, they're a little bit further down the, the pecking order. Oh, you guys are lighting up the chat. Bomb pop, fudge. I love a good fudge sickle. And they don't have that many calories. That's a really good treat, actually, is a fudge sickle. If you're looking to to get a little, a little something sweet. Um, but man, give me an ice cream sandwich any day. Love those. Oh, the ice they're cream great. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. So good. Yeah. Um Geo Freak says only psychos like cherry. <laughs> very, very strongly about that. Yeah, I was just um, cherry's really having uh cherry's really having a, a tough uh Tough day here with Cheeto Freak. Um, yeah, popsicles, man. I always find I I eat a lot of frozen yogurt in the summer. I I actually have kind of grown to like frozen yogurt more than just like regular straight up ice cream. I don't know why, but there's a place here in town that I take I take Maisie to every week. Once a week, we go and get it's one of those things like you get frozen yogurt and then you can put all your own toppings on it. On it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we'll go once a week, which we have all summer until this recent heat wave in which I've gone like five times in like seven. So yeah. thank God for the gym. Halo Top is basically frozen yogurt. Um, they've got some pretty good flavors, but I think I cracked I cracked the code with Halo Top because I would always get the peanut butter, but they can't. They just it's it's got to. They can't put too much peanut butter in there. The the way to go with Halo Top is just to go with plain regular flavors. Like their chocolate 
is like 300 calories for the whole carton. And it's fantastic. That's what I was doing when I had COVID. I said to Mag, go get me Halo Top. And I would just, I'd just sit there and just house whole pints of, of Halo Top. Real quick, before we go, Jaden has a question. Quick question so, for you guys. Do you think Kansas City deserves an NHL or NBA team? Uh, the Kansas City Knights and the Kansas City Scouts, I think, would be cool. Uh, I'll let you take this one, Bertram, but I'm saying, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I think Kansas City's proven it'll support the hell out of its sports teams. I mean, when the Royals are even halfway decent, they pack that place every night, and Arrowhead has been packed forever. Um, yeah, I do. I, and look, I know, I know the history. I get it. Like, they had the Kansas City Kings, and, okay, the Kansas City Kings were god-awful the entire time they were there. The Kansas City Scouts were there for, like, two years. And by the way, I would know, I'm a, De- I'm a New Jersey Devils fan. They were the Kansas City Scouts. So, ironically, despite never having been to Kansas City until I was 20, Three of the four teams I root for, with the Knicks being the only exception, all at some point or another played in Kansas City. The A's, the Chiefs, and the Devils. Um, but yes, uh, I, I do. I think they would support that. Plus, I think with hockey, like you have that natural rival, natural, if I could say that, rivalry with uh, the Blues. And you know those two teams could share an arena. So yeah, I, I think it would be a good fit. And I, I think Kansas City, there are some... Some sports cities, they just they support the hell out of their teams. Yeah. Kansas City is one of them. I mean, Patrick, you live near Cleveland. Cleveland's always been one of them. Like, there are certain towns. If your team is even remotely decent, I mean, you know, the Guardians back when they were the Indians, I mean, they how many straight sellouts did that team have? It's like 420. It's crazy. Like, sellouts, and yeah. people now are like, well, they don't have a tent to sell. They don't spend any money. Like, yeah. but yes, yes. Short answer, or long answer, short, yes, I think so. I'd love to see an NBA team back in KC. Um, I think I think that I think the Kansas City fans would support the hell out of that. Uh, and then you know you get you get into the summer and you got you know if the Royals aren't good and you got a playoff you know a, a playoff Kansas City basketball team that would be electric. I mean, I look think. at how KC supports sporting, right? I mean, the no, soccer team yeah. for those who aren't familiar. And even KC Current, you see KC Current, their new digs, the women's I soccer know, team, there? I, it's unbelievable. No. Yeah. It's one of the nicest yeah. situations I've ever seen. So, yeah, yeah look, Great sports. Kansas City does sports right. There's no doubt. Right. About it. And these Midwestern towns, Buffalo, Cleveland, Kansas City. Buffalo's not like, Midwestern. You know, Stop it. It's, it's not Midwest, but it's Midwestern sensibility. Okay. Right? Sure. When I when, when, blue collar, not none of these snotty coastal elites like yourself over there, Mr. New York. <laughs> sure. If there's one thing I don't think of when I think of Matt Verderam, it's coastal elite. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I I definitely was not down at the Hamptons going on one of those like white shirt parties. Right. That, okay. Yeah. I was outside yeah. yelling obscenities with my friends drinking Miller. Um, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, supporting us today, especially during this time of the year when the topics can be a little bit thin, uh, and we got to do you know popsicle rankings. And oh, by the way, that cereal Quisp which I reviewed on Tuesday. Verderam, if you see it in the store, it tastes exactly like Captain Crunch. It's fantastic. I gave it four CT crunches. Wow. It was good. It was good. Um, and I, it I was worried for your health when I saw that you bought that. But I know. It doesn't cut the roof of your mouth, which what you talked about on Tuesday because the shape of the cereal is kind of, they're supposed to be like flying saucers. So generic ass looking <laughs> box. It's apparently from the 70s. I did a bunch of research on it. It's really good, though. It's really, really good. I might go have a bowl right now. All right, everybody. Um, Verderam's got to go coach soccer. Oh, I got to yeah, mow the lawn. Um, you know, maybe maybe I could get COVID again and, and you know, get to sit that one out. Um, That's right. Thank you, thank you for watching. Uh, Sterling and uh, Matt Connor, maybe we'll be back on Tuesday. And you'll find us right here on Thursday talking some more Chiefs. Uh, until then, we'll see you on Twitter. And as always, go Chiefs.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.